0: Welcome to the PropTech Podcast, it's Kylie Davis here, and I'm delighted to be your host as we explore the brave new world where technology and real estate collide. I passionately believe we need to create a sense of community between the innovators and real estate agents and property owners, and sharing our stories is a great way to do that. Now, the aim of each episode is to introduce listeners to a prop tech innovator who is pushing the boundaries of what's possible and to explore the issues and challenges raised by the tech and how they can create amazing property experiences. And special guest this week is Dean Fraser, founder of Brick Floor, a really exciting new prop tech for home sellers which guarantees that their home will sell for a market price, delivering certainty, peace of mind and price leverage for sellers and allowing buyers to buy before they sell safely. So, Dean is a lawyer and former investment banker who's also had a fascinating career innovating across food and fintech. And in fact, Brickfloor won Emerging Fintech of the Year in 2020 from Fintech Australia. And Brickfloor is also a finalist in the PropTech Awards. So, here to tell us all about it, Dean Fraser. Welcome to the PropTech Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Carly. No, it's great. And I'm really excited about this conversation about brick floor. We always kick off with an elevator pitch. So tell us what's the uh, brick floor elevator pitch.
1: Yeah, sure. So we provide a product called a market price guarantee, which is essentially an upfront commitment to buy a seller's home for a market price um, that we guarantee for the length of um, their sale campaign and which provides the seller with peace of mind, sale price leverage and the ability to safely buy before they sell.
0: Okay, that sounds really interesting. Let's pick it apart a little bit. In a market as hot as now, why do I need a seller's guarantee?
1: Yeah, really good question, Kylie. So what we've discovered with our product through being in market for about 15 months before COVID um, um, came upon us is that our product was using being used as both a, a shield and a sword. So mm-hmm. in, in a weak market, um, the, the product provides certainty and peace of mind for home sellers and also um, leverage uh, in terms of a seller being able to use our price or the agent being able to use our price to in market to maximise um, and to seek a higher price from the market. Um, in, in a strong market, there's a really um, strong benefit in buying first. Um, if you sell first um, and you're out of a rising property market, you can be going backwards obviously against the, the property market you're trying to enter back into. So, there's a real incentive um, for buyers to buy first. Um, but at the moment, it's very risky to buy first because You won't have any visibility or transparency around whether your current home will sell um, and for what price it might sell for. Even if the market is strong, you still don't have certainty around that. So we give the ability for a buyer to um, uh, confidently buy before they've sold, knowing that there's a guaranteed takeout for their current home, um, which can mean a significant saving in a rising property market, which is the current property market context.
0: So, how big are these pain points that you're that you're solving for? This anxiety around, um, you know, will we sell for what we think we need to sell for um, in order to buy?
1: Well, we we think they're really significant. I think um, that the the pain point around just providing peace of mind and certainty to sellers, like. Most sellers find selling a home one of the most stressful experiences in their life. It's, it's up there. Amen. <laughs> most stressful experiences um, based on a lot of research behind, you know, death and divorce, but it's it's, it's way up there. Um, we, we have done some market research around people um, wanting to buy before they've sold in, in the current strong market where it makes a lot of sense to buy first. And we've discovered that basically 89% of the market would prefer to buy first and then step two, sell. If it was safe to do so, and that's a big if, because a lot of people don't feel like it's safe to buy first, even in this strong market, um, we do see that basically 21% of the market will move forward and buy first, even though there is risk with that, and the, mm. the main risk being you don't need a bridge loan potentially, you don't know exactly what your current home is going to sell for, so maybe you've either overextended yourself on your purchase or potentially underextended. Yeah. Um, but we, but with our um, home price guarantee product or market price guarantee product you can confidently buy first knowing that you've got an absolute guaranteed rock solid offer on your current home. Um, That's your floor price. And you can then use that floor price to work out your equity in your current home. Plus the the amount of debt that you can borrow gives you effectively what's safe to spend on your next home. So there's a really strong and big market for people who want to buy first um, and we enable people to buy first safely.
0: So it's it's so super interesting, isn't it? Because I think the way the markets or the way the transactions are set up at the moment, this whole, you know, it makes intellectual, financial sense to sell first and buy second. But we all know that homes are deeply emotional commitments. And if you sell first and then buy, you're basically tipping your entire family into homelessness until you find something to buy. And that's often more terrifying than the cost of getting the financial side of it wrong. So it, it is a really big psychological barrier, this whole idea that I have to give up everything before I can take the next step. Whereas if you let people buy first, then it's an exciting adventure to go on to their, you know, to move into their new home. And we just have to get through the sale to to get to that. That that kind of feels like a completely different um psychological kind of journey that we're asking people to go
1: on, right? Well, I'm Kylie. there's this, there's a really big dilemma in the market. You sell first and then buy, or do you buy first and then sell? And really the drivers of people wanting to buy first, we've discovered there's really four key drivers. One is they, wanna, they don't want to miss out on their dream home once they've discovered it. Often people will discover the next home they want to move into – before they're ready to sell, and it's like, wow, I love that home, but it's going to market in three weeks' time or four weeks' mm. time. There's no way they're going to get things ready. They might get their pre-approval on their loan to purchase ready, but yep. they won't be having certainty around whether their current home is going to sell for the right price to let them move forward. Yep. So there's a fear of missing out that we that we that you deal with if you can buy first um, with safety through our home price guarantee product. There's also just the basic um, people people want to avoid two moves. So if you can buy first. <laughs> Um, you can move once into your new home versus if you sell first, you're moving into your parents' house, you're moving into temporary accommodation perhaps. How long do you rent for? Is it six months or is it 12 months? You just don't know because you don't know how long that's going to take to find your next place. So this, this double move issue is removed if you can buy first. Um, yep. The third one is um, being selling first means that you're out of a, a rising property market in the current climate. And if you think about it, if the market's going up 10% per annum, which a lot of commentators are saying will occur, if you can buy first and then sell, you can save yourself six months or more in your in your timeframe because if you sell first, it takes you a month to get ready, it takes you one or two months to sell your home, you, you've then got to settle on it um, and then you've got to find, start looking and finding your next place. It can be six months or uh, often mm. much longer. And yeah. if you're going to wait six months or longer um, before you next buy and you've sold it already, um, if the market's going up 10% per annum, six months time you're actually paying five percent more for the same home um so on a million dollar property that you're looking to buy as an example you're paying fifty thousand dollars more through having to wait and sell first and then step to buy so we're saying it makes a lot more sense and based on our research it makes a lot more sense for sellers to to buy first as long as they can do it safely and to then um separately sell. Um the other the other key reason why people want to buy first too is that they, they don't want to commit to selling until they know they've found the, the place that they like. Like
0: Yeah, why well, go through all that trauma if you then end up somewhere worse than where you are or you you just can't find what you need. And well, yeah.
1: you don't actually know where you're going. Um, yeah. so, the, um, to, so to know where you're going before committing to sell makes so much sense. But the problem is that there's no safe way to buy first, absent our home price guarantee product. There is no way of Buying first, knowing that you've got absolute certainty around your sale outcome for your current home.
0: So, so tell me more about the home price guarantee. Is do I ha- if I get one with you? Do I have to sell to you? What? How does it work?
1: Yeah. So we um, we we basically um, extract some information from the home seller to come up with a price on the home. So we we extract around fifty data points of information from a home seller, which can be done either online or through a telephone or Zoom conversation. Um, We also get some photos from the home seller and we use that information um, together with um, comparable home sales, data on market trends in our own pricing algorithm to come up with a market offer on your home. And we certainly do offer market prices for homes. We've bought 66% of the homes that we put offers out on and that have been accepted by customers we've ended up buying. Um, And I'll explain our sort of um, business model around buying the homes a little bit later. But we certainly offer fair prices. We buy homes. Um, but we as a seller, your experience is that you'll um, provide some information to us. We'll then provide you back with an offer on your home within three business days. If you're happy with that offer you have seven days to, to accept that offer. If you accept it, um, we then come out and we do a physical valuation on your home. So we want to make sure if we're offering you a million dollars um, as Kylie, the seller of a home, we want to make sure that it is a fair price. So we do come out um, after you accepting that offer and do a, a quick physical inspection. Um, to make sure that everything as it is as is, as or as we expect it to be. Um, assuming we firm up the number, which 95% of the times we hold our number, um, we don't very rarely do we change it unless there's like a pest or building structural issue with, with, with the home. Um, we, we firm up the number. You then have um, a commitment from us for a period of 90 days. So we've locked in, let's say, as an example, $1 million for a period of 90 days. That gives you, you know, four weeks to get your home ready, as an example four to eight weeks on market um and you've got certainty absolute certainty that your home will sell for at least a million dollars all along that way um what we see that it means for sellers is that they can actually celebrate their sale success from the minute that they list they're not worried about whether um an agent has sort of over promised or under promised on the number they're not worried about whether COVID um, phase four or five or six comes comes in it's, it's certainty Um, and the agent that they're working with, so it's an agent-friendly process where um, the seller still tests the market to try to get a higher price if if there is one out there. Um, The agent we're seeing can actually use our offer in market to leverage a higher price from from other buyers. And on average, we've seen um, in uh, in our um, testing and market in real-life sort of uh, customer case studies, um, we're delivering 8% higher sale prices being the difference between what the agent was getting an indication back from from buyers in the market before talking about the fact that there's already an offer in the home from brick Four, to where the, the ultimate um, sale price went to. There's about an 8% increase on average um, with our customers' home. So um, there's a real benefit in being able to leverage our offer in market um, through both the agent um, and, and the seller using our offer as price leverage. Um, and at the end of at the end of the sale campaign, either there was a higher um, bidder in, in market, in which case the seller will sell to that third party, um, we charge a 2% fee on the amount that we commit to. So, if we underwrite a million dollars, our fee is 2% of the $1 million dollars or $20,000, mm-hmm. payable at settlement. Um, if the home doesn't sell um, or if there's a low ball offer, we step in and we buy it for that pre agreed price of a million dollars. And again, we charge that, that 2% fee on the on the $1 million um, that we've guaranteed we don't charge any fee on the additional that's achieved through leveraging our offer, which, you know, the seller might get $1.1 $1. $1 million, as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, our fee is, is, is um, st- structured on the $1 million that we've that we.
0: That you valued it at, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now let's hear a word from our sponsors. For almost 16 years, Direct Connect has made moving easy for over 1.2 million renters and homeowners by arranging connections to a wide range of services, from electricity and gas to internet and pay TV. With a national team of local account managers who are experts in the industry, Direct Connect are there to support your real estate business with competitive rewards for every successful connection, plus an industry-leading rewards program. The connection process is simple and Direct Connect's always-on guarantee ensures your customers will be connected on the day they move in. Direct Connect offers a range of market-leading suppliers and Direct Connect has now made it even easier than ever to send connections directly integrating with MRI software's property tree. So in just a few clicks while processing a tenancy, you can send the connection details through and get your customers connected. To make the right connection and find out how Direct Connect can make moving easy for you and easy for your customers, visit agents.directconnect.com.au or call one 558 169 Is BrickFloor like a, an Aussie version of an iBuyer Um tech that we're seeing out of the US?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. It, 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 it certainly has um, got
0: elements. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, for sure. So we provide certainty and peace of mind to home sellers. So that's absolutely something very similar to the iBuyer market. Um, we also use technology um, to come up with an offer on the home. So we look at um, um, 50, currently 50 data points of information. We have our own pricing algorithm to work out what we think that home is is worth. Um, and we also look at standard things like compatible home sales. Um, that's kind of where the differences um, end because um, the iBuyers overseas uh, don't let sellers e- extract a higher price from the market. They don't let the no. seller test the yeah. market.
0: Yeah, you sell it for what they offer you or, or don't, yeah.
1: You get, the, the benefit is that you get paid in you know, seven days from the iBuyer, but then if you have left a little bit on the table as a seller and there's a little bit more out there in the market, the buyer in the US takes that increment because they renovate the home and then sell it within three months typically. Whereas we're saying to sellers, um, if there's a little bit more out there in the market, then you really deserve that. Like You deserve the peace of mind. You deserve the leverage to extract a higher price and you deserve to be able to buy before you're sold. But any extra price that you can achieve is really for you. It's not for us as a business. So we think we're kind of a lot better and more adapted for the Aussie market through letting people achieve that dream price that they want. We lock in the market price, but we give them a better chance of achieving that dream price through leveraging our number. Um, The other big difference is is around our property fund. So the way that we underwrite and guarantee a home sale price is we have a fund behind us um, and capital behind us to actually buy those homes in the event that we're the highest price in market. Um, So we have a long-term hold um, strategy in our fund so any home that comes into our fund because we've been the highest price in market, and um, to date that's been 66% of the times we put the property into a fund. Um, and we we basically want to institutionalise residential property as an asset class. So we want to build a big fund of homes um, where we get institutional investors such as super funds and other family offices and um, big investors into residential property because everyone understands it. Um, but no, not many big institutions have exposure to it because it's hard to get um, a streamlined and scalable business model that allows you to accumulate enough homes and ultimately the returns may not be as strong as um, commercial property returns on on a yield basis, but on a total return basis, including capital growth, residential property has historically been a lot better than commercial property. Um, So we're different to the the iBuyers in that we... Buy homes. We hold them for a longer term period um, versus the eye buyers who kind of buy a home and would look to sell it within three months, ideally.
0: Right. So yeah. So you're holding them as an asset and and encouraging other investors into that asset class. Exactly to grow your to grow your fund. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, this is taking me a bit to get take this all in. So just step me through again how it works with real estate agents. How can agents? understand what brick floor does for them so that they're not scared of it, so that they actually see that it's an asset?
1: It's a really good question. And and we have had initially, like we've, we've been partnering with some of the large agents in Victoria um, since we, we sort of um, started the business model and they've seen the product as a listing tool. Yep. Um, so when they have a relationship with a seller or maybe they don't, if they're able to say to the seller, don't worry about your home, not selling. Um, and even in this current market, like, if, if you're being asked by your agent to invest sort of 10, 15, or you know, maybe even 20 grand in some expensive homes in marketing, like that is a lot of money um, that you have to invest with risk around whether your home will sell. It may sell, but often there are like more than one property market in Victoria and and in, in uh, New South Wales where some markets are going or, or suburbs are going super well. Others are not doing as well. So there is risk around investing a lot of money into marketing with um. Where, where your home might not sell, and yet you're still on the hook to pay your marketing fees. So agency, our product, as a way of alleviating that concern, also being showing some innovation and differentiation where they can say to the seller, um, don't worry about your home not selling. We can guarantee that it will sell, and by the way, we can, we can also qualify more buyers for your home in market because a lot of sellers obviously appreciate that the way that they get the dream price is through having two or Three really motivated buyers. And often what happens is that a lot of people coming through your open for inspection as buyers are not qualified to buy because they haven't sold. Um, yes. And so they might <laughs> be yes. walk, they're going, well, I don't want to move forward. And I've seen it firsthand when I walk through open for inspections when some agents will talk to um, different buyers. And one of the first questions often is, Oh, do you need to sell? And often the agent will, if it's a yes, I need to sell, often the agent will just almost dismiss that, um, that buyer. And then we'll, we'll walk around the room and try to find, you know, other buyers who maybe are more able to move forward. But if that agent is able to say to that buyer, okay, well, don't worry about the fact that you don't, that you need to sell, get a, get a home price guarantee or a market price guarantee from brick floor. Within a week, you know that your home is guaranteed to sell. You can now move forward in my current home that I'm selling. And by the way, I'll help you sell your home that you need to sell. So it's a way for them to win another listing from the buyer. Um, mm-hmm. So the agents who can kind of see that the product is designed to help them with listings and to give certainty and peace of mind to the seller and also as a way of qualifying more buyers who um, may want to buy the home that they're selling but need to sell first, they're the the agents that we're working really well with. Um, And as with any new innovation, like often there is some sensitivity around oh, what does this kind of mean to me? Do I kind of miss out on the customer or anything like that? But, you know, it's really clear cut that you know, if we're getting a referral from an agent that we're super grateful for that. Um, we often um, become, you know, sort of a co-partner effectively. We have our fee that we charge, which is separate and for a different product or services service to the agent. So the agent still gets their fee if they're referring through to us. There is a, an extra fee payable to brick Four from the sales point of view. But um, what we're seeing in market is that through having the home price guarantee in place, you, there's, there's three things that are occurring. One is you're avoiding um, a potential um, bad outcome for, for selling your home, which may not always occur in a strong property market. But on average, over 10 years, there's been um, um, sale discounts or vendor discounts of about 4% in Melbourne mm-hmm. and Sydney. Melbourne and yep. Sydney. Yep. So, you avoid, the, you avoid the risk of a 4% discount. Um, we've seen um, sellers leveraging an offer um, for a higher price to the tune of 8%. So you're getting the ability to get up to 8% higher or potentially more um, for your home through your agent leveraging our price. And then you're buying before you've sold um, and if the market's going up 10%, as I sort of mentioned before, and you're buying six months sooner, you're saving 5% on your purchase. So there's there's a a real clear value proposition, we believe, for our product, that you're paying 2% for our product Yes, you're paying separately for the agent and paying their fee, but our two percent can deliver you, and we expect it to deliver you um, around about 10% more, whether it's through avoiding the discount, um, buying sooner and, and sort of paying 5% less or leveraging our offer to get 8% higher, you're getting um you're getting a real benefit that's way above the cost of that product. So um
0: well, yeah. yeah. Well, I just think that peace of mind, I mean look, anyone who has so bought or sold, well, sold house, sold the sold their family home and moved everyone up. Knows how stressful that is. I mean, it is full of the worst conversations you never want to have with a spouse or partner. And and I remember some of the most stressful ones with my husband when we moved, which was twenty years ago, and we still haven't recovered from the trauma of it. Was standing at auctions, uh, you know, before we'd sold, and my husband saying, "Do you love it?" And I'm like, well, yes, I quite like it. It's like, no, do you love it? Do you love it enough for us to go through this 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 pain that we're about to go through? And and often it was like, oh no, I, I well, I don't know because that's such a big hurdle to jump over. But if you if you've already know that you've sold and everything's okay, that does kind of change that.
1: Yeah, um, one of the highlights that I had um, about a year ago was a customer who um, came to us and. We underwrote a sale price of $2.34 million. So it was, it was a really nice house in Glen Arras. Um, he went to market. Um, he passed in. There was no offers at auction. Um, and Marshall White were running the sale campaign. They did a fantastic job, but there was there was no one there to bid. Um, he calls, calls me up straight away and goes, are you still there? Is, um, that's,
0: my, that's my backup.
1: <laughs> that's the whole purpose of the business model. He um, goes, well, so can I have a wine with my neighbor tonight to celebrate the success of the sale? I said absolutely I said I'm gonna have one too at home to celebrate with you you know virtually. Um, but the, the, the feeling I got from that seller was it it had an absolutely massive impact on his not only his emotional well-being but his financial well-being too because he'd he bought somewhere else um, and he was under a lot of pressure to make it work. and the beauty of the whole transaction too was that, Two weeks later, he had an offer from a third party at two point two, so below our number. Marshall White and him were able to say, "Look, Nick, off. Um, we're holding <laughs> firm. We've got we've got a price, you know, materially above your offer." And eventually, he extracted two point four from the market, like four weeks after auction, Yeah. and he sold for two point four um, above our two point three five offer. But he he was had. So much gratitude, and we were so grateful to work with him as well because he said, "I would have accepted 2.2 if it wasn't for you at 2.35, and ultimately I got 2.4. So in that example, he got nine percent higher than his 2.2. Um, yes. So it's a really, it has a really positive impact on the sellers, both financially and emotionally. And some sellers, you know, say things like, "You know, this is securing my future, this product,
0: <laughs> and my marriage." <laughs> okay. No, seriously, I don't think you can underestimate it. it's the stress of selling. The yeah, you know, the, the, the stressful conversations that happen in marriages when everyone when you when you're both selling and moving. Um, so, so Dean, tell me about your background. How did you get into this?
1: So, I started my career as a lawyer um, back in two thousand, and then I did that for about three or four years. Then went into investment banking um, up in Sydney with a firm called. Um, Uh, Caliburn partnership um, and through both um, my sort of Mitch Allison days as a lawyer and Caliburn days as a banker like you could see people underwriting share issues for companies so you have Goldman Sachs, Macquarie, UBS um, getting paid a lot of money to actually um, guarantee the the sale price, the sale timing and the sale outcome for a company that's looking to raise capital and I thought that's a really good product and a well-established financial services product of underwriting for capital raising in, in, in sort of a corporate context and I thought that That should really apply to some other sectors. And and then, you know, clearly I could see residential property as one that was standing out as a huge amount of stress and anxiety and, you know, divorce-ridden potentially as well. Like a lot of those issues Mm -hmm. that could could be, I guess, cured with um, certainty and peace of mind wrapped around them through underwriting. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the guarantee, the home price guarantee or market price guarantee was a way of providing that underwriting um, but for the residential property um, landscape. And then we did some surveys with... Um home sellers, and it was pretty clear that um, sellers were resonating with the concept. And then I got Matthew Quinn involved, who was a former CEO of Stocklands for about 13 years, and he was like, I love the product, it's very different, and it's there's a real problem there um, to be solved. Um, and then it just sort of all went from there. We then raised some a fair bit of money from um, the venture on the Z Bank um, originally and Harris Capital, who's the Jeff Harris is the co-founder of Flight Center. We raised some money and we've gone to market. Um, and now we're looking to sort of scale and raise more money um, and diversify our shareholder base as well. But, um, but it also started through that sort of just past work experience, seeing something that had kind of been used and. and
0: in a different market. Different market. Yeah, awesome. So, so how big is Brick Floor? So no, we're, still, yep.
1: you know, we're still very much a startup. So, we have around sort of seven people working with us. Um, We've, we've raised a bit over $50 million, which is is a lot, but mm. a lot of that was earmarked for our property fund to acquire homes. So yep. we're very capital-intensive. Our, our property fund, there's two parts is a property fund that buys homes, and that's very capital-intensive. And then there's a prop tech um, consumer code business manager, uh, sorry, fund manager business that actually employs staff and um, owns the, plat- the platform and technology, and that's, that's capital-like, but there's kind of two parts. Two parts of the business, um, but the, the fund piece requires a lot of capital. So we raised, yeah, we raised um, a little bit, little over fifty million dollars um, a couple of years ago, um, and we've got um, yeah, we sort of built out a team. We had to scale back a little bit our team during COVID because we we paused temporarily um, in market um, because it was very hard to price homes with precision. Yeah. Um, we're now looking to get back out very soon. Um, we're going through a capital raise process now. Um, to raise between sort of 50 and 250 of equity, million dollars of equity, so a lot of lot of money, but you need sort of strong capital base to to underwrite homes in the way that we do, um, and so yeah, so it's sort of exciting times now looking to get back out into into market and um, and use also use some of our as I sort of made, talking about before, um, people wanting to buy first, using our market price guaranteed product to actually create. We're looking to create a new or a market-first um, buy now, sell later home loan product. So, really, um, at the moment, the only option is a bridge loan, and nobody likes bridge loans. No
0: one likes them. They're they're like the credit cards of home loans. High cost. High yeah.
1: <laughs> cost can be not too bad, but you know, just the the thinking that you're going to have to sell your home under pressure, current home under pressure because you've already bought is not a is not a good feeling and won't get you the best outcome. Um, generally speaking, but if you can create you know, a loan and a guaranteed sale assurance on your current home, combine them together, then you can actually buy first and settle with confidence knowing that your current home is going to sell for at least a, a floor price agreed with brick floor. So, um, yeah, so there's some really exciting things that we're looking to do um, following this capital raise that we kind of leverage our, both our property fund and our market price guarantee product to create some new sort of lending opportunities um, for, for, for lenders and some, some other products and services as well.
0: If you're a real estate agent, you know you need to do more digital marketing, and that includes creating articles, blogs, emails, and landing pages. But that's a lot to learn, and it can be really hard. So check out ActivePipe. ActivePipe is a specialist digital marketing platform designed especially for real estate agents. It allows you to quickly and easily create engaging emails, including the ability to drag and drop properties into emails that you can send out to buyers, sellers, renters, anyone. ActivePipe's smart automation allows you to get more leads from your database by understanding the property journey of your contacts and automatically customizing and personalizing emails based on their preferences. And now with the new product, Real Estate Content, you get access to hundreds of stories written about the property market that answer common questions your clients have about how to buy and sell and market performance. So download ActivePipe's free white paper, The Scalable Agent. It's got everything you need to know about how to become a better digital marketer. And it's written by me, Kylie Davis. Go to activepipe.com.au or Google The Scalable Agent. So, Dana, um, do you have any competitors in this space?
1: No, there's, there's no one active in the market that's doing um, what we're doing. Um, I think for us, we feel the main competitor is just the status quo, that people are selling their home the most valuable possession that typically that they own in a risky way. So there's a risky way of selling your home um, and then there's, and there's a safe way. Um, so we're, we're looking to challenge the status quo and say, look, there is a safe way and not only is it giving you certainty and peace of mind, but it's giving you leverage um, and, and the ability to buy before you've sold, which are really important things in a strong market um so yeah so no no sort of no direct competitors um but just it it is to get people understanding of the product and to change the way that they're currently thinking of selling a home is you know being the status quo is kind of i think it's competition
0: yeah but i think given i mean given everything i've seen all the research i've seen and just all the stories that i see and and especially from the focus group research when you have Talks to people around what it's been like to sell or buy a property. Um, there is an extraordinary. I, I think as an industry, we we gloss over the trauma <laughs> that people go through. And uh, yeah, so I so um so I think it sounds it sounds great. Do you think you're going to be like so t- traditionally, country or regional markets would have more trouble selling or, or longer time on market periods than than city markets. Are you um, are you are you covering regional markets as well, or is it just the city? Or or is there a risk that you might end up with sort of geographically lumpy markets?
1: You know, what, it's funny because with with um, our leads and our um, customers that we've had, um, it's basically been a third, a third, a third in terms of inner inner okay. Melbourne, uh, sorry, inner ring, middle ring, and outer ring. So we're getting yep. um, a spread, and same with Sydney as well. Um, which is good because we want to have a bit of diversification and, and there is like that theory, I guess, that um maybe some middle and outer ring properties might do a little bit better now with de urbanization. Now, how long that will last for and whether it reverses is, is sort of another question. But we, we definitely want to build a portfolio of great Aussie homes. And I think it's I think the the original the fund that we've built um in as a result of our product, is certainly diversified across those sort of you know inner, middle, and outer rings. We haven't we haven't offered our product um, to homes located, located more than fifty kilometres outside of Melbourne and Sydney today. Right. Um, but there, I think there are opportunities to consider, like you know Geelong or maybe sort of Newcastle or maybe Bendigo, or Ballarat, or some regional hubs that could could do quite well. Um, over the next sort of three to five years. So we're certainly open to exploring that. But today we've been a little bit more focused and just looked at essentially properties worth 350K up to 2.5 million dollars, um, houses, townhouses, units and some apartments, but only if they're one of eight or less. So we don't want right. the high rise, not helping yeah. at the moment sellers with high rise apartments. Um, um, and then um, the, the, the home needs to be located within 50K's radius of Melbourne and City CBDs at the moment.
0: Right, okay. And then also
1: Queen, when we when we reopen then Queensland, we're also looking at um, providing office to Queensland sellers.
0: Okay, okay. So at the moment um, Melbourne, Sydney predominantly and then Queensland to come. Exactly. Yep, okay. So Tassie, South Australia, Perth, you'll, you guys will have to wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, look, and, if, and if we feel the demand from there and if we feel like we can price with precision – um, and if we feel like it's it's a, it's a sensible investment, which which it most likely is to be honest, um, then um, we look to sort of expand into those those cities as well.
0: Okay, awesome. So, so Dean, what do you think um, the next five years holds in residential real estate, especially if we adopt this thinking around security and and taking the risk out of selling um, that you got that brick floors um,
1: driving forward. Yeah, look, I think that's a big question, actually. I think um, look, I think almost as important as selling and giving security around the sell side is 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 buying because it's another big pain point to actually just find the right place um, and to perhaps do whatever you can to, um, you know, avoid as much competition as possible. Um, and I think that's where kind of, you know, creating sort of like a, a buy-first loan product or a buy-first product um, that we're looking to do would, would be um, very helpful um, and we've seen, you know, um, one of our customers who bought first, he effectively um, was able to buy before the home went on market because he could buy with confidence, he knew he was all set up. He had his pre-approval, he had his offer from brick floor, he knew exactly what was safe to spend, and he just went in and he, and he made an offer before the home went on to market. And, you know, the seller was happy to sell pre-market because they wanted they a bird in the hand. But I think, you know, that's an example of, you know, just there is, I think there is still and always will be a big friction point around selling. And there will always be um, a really big um, issue around being able to find somewhere to buy. Mm. Um, so I think there'll be more and more products that sort of focus in on both of those those ends of of the spectrum. Um, I wouldn't be surprised too if we saw more um, just more prop techs, um, whether it's the the portals or businesses like Brickfloor or similar ones moving into kind of that. Um, whether it's lending or mortgage broking, because we've seen like with you know obviously domain and the lending partnership and REA now sort of taking um a stake or or purchasing um, mortgage choice and having smart line exposure. Like I think a lot of the portals and other businesses they're a bit and even brick floor like we're quite transaction focused, like we depend on a specific transaction to make to make money. Whereas if you can move into that kind of more annuity style income in, in terms of um, whether it's mortgage broking and taking kind of a a clip on the upfront and then a trailing commission or some other annuity style income, um, then I think that's kind of kind of a smart strategy. So I think we'll see more people moving into that space, particularly if they've got strong brands. Like, I mean, banking is super competitive, isn't it? Like it feels yeah. like everyone is very similar out there. But if you've got like a really unique brand or a unique audience um, focused on millennials or a strong brand, then I think there's opportunities for them to kind of use that, those customers or that brand to kind of Move into an annuity style and then come through, um, like you know, competitive loan products. Um, yeah.
0: So you guys are also looking, you know, so you're you're purchasing a whole pile of properties, obviously, and you're and you said before that you're looking to bring in more institutional investors into that, into into the property market and ownership. How's that going to play out over the next five years? What 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 influence? How will that sort of change the landscape?
1: Well, I think think there's a huge opportunity there um, with with super funds and the like that that really are looking for yield. And and a lot of people are looking for for yield, Um, not only super funds but retirees are looking to to generate yield um, on their cash at bank or on their investments. So I think um, – and residences perform so strongly over such a long period of time. And and, and to some extent, it's it's not protected, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of support. No one wants to see residential property fall, and it it obviously can fall, but – um, I think governments and um, and the like will do. You know, will provide support to, to that sort of asset class to to some extent. So I think um, I think it just makes a lot of sense for people to park money in Resi. Um, and so I think there'll be more and more money flowing into it. But there there are challenges around how do we, if you're an institution, like you're better off writing one single check for fifty million dollars and buying a shopping centre versus fifty one million dollars homes. But we feel yeah. that our product allows a super fund to really streamline more easily into buying $51 million homes through our product because it's designed to pick up homes into the fund. Um, so we can fix that. And then I think we can get the returns right through being really quite strategic in where we, you know, where we buy homes and maybe perhaps where we put more offers out in particular areas that are likely to perform strongly. Um, so then we kind of get scalability and strong returns and therefore all of a sudden um, residential property becomes as as attractive, if not more attractive, than commercial property. And most big institutional investors might have 15% or 10% of their fund um, allocated to commercial property, but nothing really in resi or very little. Um, they might have some developments, but they very, very infrequently would have um, established housing. They might have you know, some built to rent that they're thinking about doing, but it's very small components. So I think there's just a big opportunity to kind of, yeah, to, to create a platform for investors into into resi and then i think the exciting thing for us too is that if we can do that and build out a big fund then we can create um, an affordable housing allocation in our fund which has always been the intention to have 20 percent of our fund allocated out to half price rentals so then we can have you know people who need a home and need a bit of a leg up but can't afford to pay you know current rentals um, they can move into some of our homes and we can make a bit of an impact in that way too so i think and that's consistent with super funds and the like too who are looking at sort of um you know, more socially focused investments, um, as long as they stack up financially, if yep. they can also have, a, have an impact um, socially, um, then it, I think it's a really strong proposition for for, for
0: Fantastic, is, yeah. Because there, I mean, there is a there is a lot of desire to invest in you know in in social housing, but no real vehicles for it at the moment, um, and and so the the effort to do it just seems a bit too hard in so many ways. That's fantastic. So, do you so, do you think if if we start to see, um, like they say in the states, where you know, uh, Wall Street starts to take over Main Street in terms of residential property uh, property ownership, is that going to affect prices? Or will it make the market uh, more unaffordable? What?
1: What? It's a really good cool question. See, so with our model, we're buying the homes in our model that don't sell to a third party, so yeah. it's not like we're um, uh, um, re- removing um, or um, sort of uh, forcing out buyers we're really we're really buying when there is no other buyer and and sometimes we are forcing buyers effectively to pay a little bit more because we're there is the underwriter but but often when we' bought we're buying when there's just for some reason or another there just hasn't been a buyer at that time for that home. Um, so it's not like we're sort of creating sort of an artificial market. We're sort of supporting the seller. Um, and then I think really if, if you're creating more, um, if, you, if you're creating a vehicle that enables a seller to more easily sell their home, there's going to be more um, liquidity in the market. Like there's this kind of like skipping rope um, analogy almost where people go, oh, do I sell, do I buy? And it's like when you're a primary school kid, and the skipping ropes going around, and you just you don't you're watching it go, but you're not really wanting to jump in
0: and <laughs> get rope
1: burn. <laughs> and about the whole thing. So, but if it's if it's not scary, um, then you you're, you're going to be and hopefully with stamp duty um, changes as well, it's, it's going to be more easy for you to put your home in the market and sell um, with peace of mind, and then to and then to buy somewhere else. Um, so we think giving people confidence to sell and to buy it should create more more volume in the market, more liquidity, more sort of movability for for people who want to change locations. Um, and it should be sort of a net positive for like real estate agents and for mortgage brokers for banks and for people who just want to be able to change you know change locations and change homes to suit their needs. Mm.
0: so So what do you do with all those properties that you've bought? Do they? Do you rent them out, or
1: yeah? So we rent we rent them out. So we all of our homes are rented. We rent them out, and hopefully they enjoy some good capital growth. Um, our first fund that we've kind of built out has had some really strong capital growth, even though we bought um, quite a few of them during COVID, which was great for the seller because they had um, a whole lot of stress when they were selling the home um, that was amplified by COVID. And we we honoured our commitments and we bought homes, and it turns out that they've you know they've done they've done well because the market has has since recovered. Um, yeah, but we, we buy them, we hold them, and um, we look to sell them maybe every sort of th- three to five years. Um, we can hold on to them for longer or we can sell them sooner. Um, but yeah, we're looking to create sort of an asset class effectively out of residential property that's, that's diversified and strong returns.
0: Fantastic. So, look, thank you so much, Dean. This has been an amazing conversation. I've been really interested to hear about brick floor and, and, and the potential, you know, the removal of all of that stress and the potential that it opens up for so many um, other better experiences in in real estate.
1: Thank you very much, Ty It's been a pleasure to talk to you and I really appreciate your time.
0: Now, we're going to include your contact details in the show notes. So, if any agents or if um, anyone wants to get in contact with you, um, the details will be in the show notes. Oh, fantastic. Sounds great. Thanks so much. So that was Dean Fraser from BrickFloor, and isn't it a fascinating business? We've been hearing for years from the US about this phenomenon of eye buyers, and I love that BrickFloor is a truly Australian version of it that's also responsive to how our market behaves. Over the past five years, there's been a growing body of evidence that one of the key reasons property supply levels are so low is it's because of this huge fear that we have as sellers that buying up um, and upsizing just might not be worth all the pain. Increasingly, sellers are asking themselves, is it really worth going through all that work and stress of getting the house ready for sale, of going through the sale process, only to find out that actually there's nowhere better to move to and in fact, you're worse off now because you're homeless. The intellectual property as an asset argument has always been that you sell first and then you buy. That's the most financially sensible thing to do apparently because you know how much money you've got to spend and bridging finance is a complete punitive horror. So, But if the worst comes to the worst, you just rent and you ride it out until it's over. But how does that actually play out today in 2021? Well, with so little stock on the market, there's absolutely no guarantee that you'll find something better to buy, especially if you're trying to move up locally. It's one of the key reasons there's so much renovation going on at the moment. So you sell your current home, you can't find anything to buy. It's also extremely hard to find places to rent. So you have to go through all of that pain kind of twice. And then you end up on an adventure into an unknown of housing insecurity and watching prices like gallop away from you while eating up your capital with the rent. Suddenly the financial logic of selling doesn't really feel that sensible. But I love how Brickfloor is changing the psychology of all of that. It recognises that selling is a deeply emotional experience, and it works from there to make it a more sensible financial exercise. If we find something that we want to buy first, we can put all of our energy into imagining how awesome our new life is going to be, and so the pain of selling doesn't seem so bad. I also love that it's such a powerful tool for real estate agents to use to underpin how they present the property to market and around pricing. There'll be no more arguments from buyers who miss out about the price guide if there's a price guarantee sitting behind it. And the fact that the product is also providing an avenue for institutional investment in property, that's really interesting to explore and I think it provides wins all round. So so well done, Brickfloor. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode of the PropTech podcast, I would love you to tell all your friends or drop me a line either via email, LinkedIn or Facebook. And I am sorry we've had uh, our episodes missing for a few weeks while we've got through the PropTech Awards. But you can follow our podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor and Apple iTunes. And I'd like to thank my audio support, Charlie Hollins and the fabulous Jill Escudero, and our sponsors Direct Connect, making moving easy, Smidge Wines, exclusive wines made in limited quantities, and available only via the cellar door at smidgewines.com and ActivePipe helping you make engaging content for email marketing. So do you run a prop tech business or are you a founder of a prop tech? Make sure you join the PropTech Association of Australia. It's Australia's new not-for-profit association made up of tech people who are passionate about the property industry and committed to improving experiences in how we buy, sell, rent, manage, build and finance property. Joining will give you access to events and networks across Australia and globally that will help promote and grow your business. So go to PropTechAssociation.com.au and sign up. Thanks, everyone. Until next week, keep on prop-checking.